fucking deep. Put it in deep. Get pucks deep, bring the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Hey, hey, what do you say? Pucks in Deep Podcast, episode 25. We're live here in Pembroke, Ontario, and it's a Sunday edition and a special one at that. Adam Lesko and Josh Coleman here, as usual, but we are joined this evening, this fine evening, by a Twitter, uh, what do you want to call her, Lesko, like a legend in the making, perhaps? Oh, a pro- prolific member, I would say, of the okay. Twitter circle, yeah. Okay, I like that. So she's live here on the phone. We have Laura Duarte, and Lesko, I'll throw it to you. You found Laura, I guess, scouring through the Twitter sphere, or getting a lot of retweets or however it is that we do things on social media. Yeah, well, she does basically, it well. Basically, we follow each other and have a few interactions and she put it out there that she was interested in doing some podcast work and I thought, you know what, this girl's entertaining as shit. So I thought I'd give her a buzz and see if she was interested and she was. So we do have her today. So welcome to the Pucks Indeed podcast. Uh, she's got more Twitter followers combined than me, Josh, and the Puck Pod. So... Maybe we'll get a little bump off this. I don't know. Laura, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> That's a good way to look Thank at it. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, totally undeserved intro right there, but I appreciate it. Well, we got to tee you up good. I mean, we got to hype you up as best we can, right? <laughs> right, right. Of course. So you are um, you live in Toronto. Uh, you're originally born in Cuba. Um, why don't you just tell us about that? Because my first question is, how the hell do people get out of Cuba? And then how do you get to Canada and then become a diehard hockey fan? Common, common misconception. Yeah. So I was nine when I came from Cuba, 2004. I had some family like previously living here already. To be honest, I don't know much of the process. I wasn't really involved. But basically through the Canadian embassy in Cuba, it's called the point system. And it's for families that want to emigrate to Canada. And yeah, that's how it worked out. Wow, that's incredible. So what, what year, sorry, did you get here again? 2004. 2004 and then when did you start uh, getting into hockey so I didn't um, know hockey even existed before 2010 Um, when I was younger I did not like to skate I was so like afraid of the ice I thought I was gonna fall and break something (laughs) and I grew up watching like baseball and soccer and I played sports all my life but hockey was not one of them so I was probably in grade 9 when the 2010 Vancouver Olympics were going on and naturally when you're the Olympics run, you watch sports that you normally don't. Like, I was watching curling. I don't watch curling. Yeah, good <laughs> I don't point. even know how the rules uh, are played. Um, but I was at home. I was, like, 14, and I was watching the Canada-U.S. gold medal game, and I was mesmerized. I had no clue who Sidney Crosby was whatsoever. But we, I was watching the game. We won in overtime. Like, it was great. I go to school the next day, and that's all anyone could talk about. And my best friend at the time, she's a hockey player. So I went up to her and I said, hey, like, I watched a game last night. It was awesome. 
can you teach me the rules of hockey? Like, how do you play? So she pulls out a piece of paper. She says, join up the rink. And she teaches me, like, face off, I think, offside, power play, PK. And that was, like, really my first uh, introduction to hockey. Wow, that's super cool. I, I'm almost jealous of your friend for being the one that was able to, like, broaden your horizons there and say, hey, this is this is the sport, and you're asking her to explain it to you. That would have been a really cool moment, I think, for her as far as, like, a, a teaching moment is concerned. Yeah, we, we had a, another friend down the line, like, two years later, who had no idea what hockey was, and we introduced her, too. And it just, like, became a thing of, like, my high school was so big, with hockey, we had people walk in the halls with Luke Shen jerseys in like 2011. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> um, I actually went to the same high school as Connor Brown. Okay, so, uh, Michael Power, right? Yes, and Matt Finn, if you guys remember that name. All right, my dad actually went to Michael Power back in, I guess, the 60s. <laughs> my dad's from Etobicoke originally, so way to age your yeah. old man there. Yeah, let's go. I know. <laughs> Laura, that's, did they? That's... Laura, did they call him Downtown Connor Brown back then, or? No, they didn't. Okay. So actually, he didn't play for our high school team because um, I guess he was just that good. Oh wow! Um, okay, yeah. Because a lot yeah. of time I know AAA teams don't like their their players playing high school hockey. So yeah, exactly. Oh. But yeah, hockey was a big deal where I like where I grew up in Etobicoke. Oh, that's very cool, and I know obviously the Olympics being as crazy as that was, and how exciting that was. I mean, I remember where I was that day, and I know a lot of hockey fans oh, do. What a day. Um, I guess once you got into it, it's a great intro. But then, when do you start following the Leafs and kind of deciding like I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon here? So it was it was around 2010. So there was no one on that Canadian roster that was a Leaf. So I I still didn't have like a lot of knowledge of hockey. I knew about. South Kessel and I guess that's kind of where it started it was 2010 so it was around the time when he was trying to Toronto for the first overall first round pick which later became Tyler Sagan um, and then I guess a year or two later I started dating someone who was a huge Leafs fan and he kind of like introduced me to the rest of the league and I was like I chose my guy like Joffrey Lupo was my guy oh yeah Had his jersey <laughs> I tweeted that picture a couple of times and then the 2012-2013 season came out, and I was so excited. Like, I finally know hockey. I understand it. And there was a lockout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, was, and it was so bad. There was no games for, like, I think it was four months. It wasn't crazy like that. Yeah. yeah and that. then the 2013 season starts up again, and then we go into the playoffs. And that was the first time that I went downtown for a playoff game. And I wasn't here around the Sunday year, so I obviously don't, never experienced that before. I've never seen a city like rally around a hockey team, and I was that was really like that playoff series in 2013. Even though we lost and it was heartbroken, that's really when like hockey took over my life. And I was like, hey, like back then, Leafs were they sucked, but it was still my team. That was sugarcoating it as well. That was a very exciting run. I mean, especially given what happened that year with the lockout. I know they always say that's when the casual fan will tune out. So it's awesome to hear that. Um, even with that break in the NHL season, you came back and, and uh, you know, like you said, got, you know, right into it. And Lupo is a good choice of player to cling on to on those days. I know I was a big fan of his. The guy's a total man rocket, too, so that helps. Yeah, are, so are you uh, booking one-way flights, Laura, to uh, Robida Island to see if you can find jo- Joffrey Lupo and the crew? <laughs> uh, funny thing, about, like, back in the Christmas season, I was at the Bay, and I found this, like, Asian company that sells like face masks and Joffrey Lupo is on the cover of the box. Wow. Yeah, and I it was back during Christmas time and I tweeted that and like 
my Twitter went crazy. People were like, what is that? And I went online, and it's like a $50, like, face mask, and he's just randomly on the cover. Just randomly modeling for this company? Yeah. Wow. So they have endorsement deals we don't even know about. When when Laura first was describing that, I thought she meant, like, like a Joffrey Lupul mask that you put (laughs) on your face. (laughs) And I was so interested, and I couldn't wait for the follow-up question. Uh, but then, of course, I clued in. We're talking about like an actual face mask that you yeah, apply. Yeah, no, I think, think Lupo okay. just sticks to music festivals nowadays. Yeah, cool. that's about it. I think he's still at yeah. Coachella from last year, waiting for this year's to start. <laughs> so we're here with Laura Duarte, and uh, Laura, why don't you do the uh, do the uh, listeners a favor and and uh, read out your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, so it's Duarte D U A R T double E, then Laura. Uh, L-A-U-R-A, double A at the end. It's just complicated, but, you know, when you make Twitter handles at, like, 12 years old, that's what you get. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good. At least yeah, it's, it's not. True. Some people have way more bad emails and handles from when they're younger, so I think you did all oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, when we were speaking earlier today, you told me about how you went to U of T originally, um, interested in law, and uh, and then eventually decided you wanted to pursue something in hockey media. So tell us a bit about that and kind of how you came to that that decision. Yeah, so I think everyone in their life at one point is like, I want to be a lawyer or a doctor. For me, it was law. Um, I went to UFT for criminal law and women gender studies. And I think about my second or third year, I absolutely hated it. I was like, this is not what I want to do. I'm not passionate about this. I'm spending so much money on tuition. So I started reflecting. I said, like, what's the one thing? that I'm like really passionate about that I want to do my entire life and I, I wouldn't even care if I didn't get paid and I came up with hockey that was my answer so I researched how to make a career out of it it's still very much a work in progress I'm figuring out do I want to go back to school but I, I wanted to merge television production and media mm-hmm. with hockey which is my two passions and fuse that together excellent and that takes a lot of balls as well to uh to, you know, make that decision. Now, did you end up uh, finishing university or did you just say fuck it after that? <laughs> no, I finished. I, I figured I might, might at least have a degree just get, in case. Get that piece of paper at the end? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. 20,000 piece of paper, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think we all got one collecting dust somewhere here <laughs> as well. Now, I guess at that time... Um, I think I think what you said when you got into it, it seemed that the the Leafs were in a bit of a bad spot. Um, I, I, how have you adjusted to kind of how the team is now? I mean, I guess you saw some pretty shitty times, as did we. And then, yeah, it was it. I know for a lot of us, it was weird when the Leafs became good. Uh, the, I got to be honest, 2014, 2015 season, I tuned that a little bit, um, and then 2016 when we finished in last place. I kind of, like, picked it up again. Um, the first year that we made the playoffs with Matthews, like, that that was, like, on a whole nother level. Oh. I will never forget the game against Pittsburgh when we clinched the playoffs. So one of the best games I've ever seen. Oh, it was absolutely incredible. Like I, 40 yeah. goals. I was, like, standing up in my living room clapping. 40 goals. Yeah, give my own standing O and uh, tearing up yeah. a little bit at the, the thought old, of playing in the playoffs. That Joe Bowen call on that empty netter for Matthews was just so good. Yeah. No one was expecting it. It was like, we're going to be good in like two, maybe three years. Now we're going to be good this year. So watching those playoffs was fun because we didn't expect it. Oh, watching man. last year's playoffs, I wanted to die. I <laughs> thought I wasn't going to make it. 
Yeah, I know. It's still, I still try and like help myself sleep at night by being, you know, things are ahead of schedule in the grand scheme of what we expected. But uh, right. I think obviously expectations have changed given the, uh, the elite level talent that the team has now. And the fact that we're making big acquisitions, a la Jonathan Tavares as well. Um, I, I'm assuming you tuned into last night's game. Um, what did you think about that? Uh, I know they played outplayed Edmonton for the most part, but gave us one of those old classic game seven scares. I was really happy with the first period. We outshot them the whole time. I thought the Matthews line looked great. They haven't looked the best the last couple of games. True. Yeah. I've noticed it was like there's something a little bit off there, but I I thought I had a really good first period. And Freddie it was just Freddie as always. Like I am the president of the Frederick Anderson fan club. I love him. So is he your MVP this season then? Uh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So that was one of the questions that we had for you. It was a great segue. I I, I yeah. think I'm falling into the Freddie category as well. But I mean, man, it, it's a little difficult to look away from from Mitch Marner. And one thing that I've really noticed as I look through the, the scoreboards, the recent games, all the season, when he doesn't get a point, we lose those games. I mean, we don't win every game that he gets a point in, but when we don't win, he didn't get one. And that's kind wow. of why. And he's pretty good, pretty good argument to be had, I think, there for, for Mitch Marner. I, I didn't know that. That's, that's insane. Well, it's not every, it's not science. It was just like, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was quite often. I said, oh, we lost, you know, Marner didn't get anything. Marner didn't get anything. And, and that's not to say like he's good because he didn't get any points. That's just strange. But I guess my point is he contributes so heavily that when he's not able to contribute, oftentimes the rest of the team is unable to, to pick up his slack. Okay. I think the reason why I chose Freddie for me was I honestly think like if we didn't have him, we'd probably be fighting for a wild wildcard spot right now or maybe even not in the playoffs oh i, think I, I just agree like, yeah i think he's the biggest difference maker in the team and like his contribution is unmatched really uh, absolutely and i think a guy like freddie anderson really shows how important a goaltender's role mm-hmm. is in an nhl team because without that like you said you're you're slugging it out in the trenches with the rest of the teams fighting for wildcard spots um and just in, in the observations i mean Having seen what the Leafs went through goaltending-wise in, in the years leading up to getting Anderson, I've never been this comfortable with the, a goaltender in the net probably since Eddie Balfour, and that, that would have been b- before I think you even came on board with the Leafs. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, I know the name, but I, I didn't watch him play, no. Yeah, because every other goaltender we had, it seemed like it was a liability. So I'm right there with you on Freddie Anderson. And if you watch the game in, game out, you can see that even in that game last night, he made several um, mm-hmm. high, saves on high danger scoring chances. He's got to be in there. Yeah, I had. Sorry, I had uh, one of sorry the notes. He, he just like doesn't panic, and I love that about him. Yeah, you actually have to be composed, and uh, especially mm-hmm. in those big game moments. So hopefully that uh, translates into some. Uh, playoff success this year as well for him. Let's hope. Guy's got to be in the Vesna candidacy as well. I mean, he he has to be nominated. Like, if he's not, I'm going to write a really long tweet about this. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to that. He's going to use all 240 <laughs> available characters. No, I might even do a thread. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> 1-2, 1-3. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like he's a little, uh, he might be a little underrated in that conversation as well. I mean, he's got the numbers to back it up, but I think he's he's working himself into that conversation as being an elite goaltender in this league. No, for sure. He's been, I think, last three seasons, top five cons- consistently. Yeah, yes, I, absolutely. I would tend to agree with that as well. Now, 
here's the the question that remains for many Lee fans. Is it more important to rest Freddie going into playoffs or play him as often as possible to chase that home ice advantage with the uh, with the Boston Bruins? I I want to say I would love some host home ice advantage. I think that'd be big, especially after the first two games last year. Uh, I think that'd be a huge morale boost and momentum momentum on our side. But. I have to say, I'm really big on resting Freddie. I think regardless if we have home ice advantage or not, he's going to have to steal that series from the Bruins. I really think so. And I just prefer him to do it rested. Um, he's played 66 games in the last two seasons. I think that's way too much. So let's say we, we play him 66 games again this year, and Boston still finishes ahead of us, and we go into game seven again, double overtime. Freddie wins. Let's say like the Leafs win the first round. Great. So awesome. Now we're in the second round. We have a burnt-out goalie who's probably a little banged up, who's played 66 games, and now you're going against Tampa, the best team in the league. I just that's – just, that's hard to imagine. It's yeah. true. It's really a good point when you put it that way because I, I, can, I can field arguments for both sides where I want to get that home ice advantage because it's super important, but then – yeah, I, I I think I would tend to lean the other way as well and say that I want arrested Anderson moving into the playoffs because we've seen what arrested Anderson can do, i.e. Yeah. when he came back from his injury. I know that's a different kind of rest, but it is still rest nonetheless. Um, he recuperated, recovered from his injuries, got himself back to 100% and was playing fantastically well and has remaining. He's remained to play fantastically well over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, but... Yeah, I, I think I. I mean, in that seven game series, it's gonna be it's gonna be too important to not have a guy on top of his game and Freddie Anderson. Yeah, I think everyone's so focused on beating the Bruins, but I think we forget once you beat the Bruins, there's three other rounds to get through. There's three teams that you have to beat. It's not the first round cup; it's the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a great point. I mean, looking at things from a big picture perspective, uh, and that's something often that might be missing from the ar- argument. It's like you said, thinking beyond the Bruins. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, I think, if Babcock kind of took it on a on a uh, game by game basis, almost uh, saying, looking at the standings, checking, all right, how do we match up against this team? Uh, how's Freddie feeling? Because you know they're monitoring him very closely as well. Um, so I think it's. There might not be a cut-and-dry plan one way or the other, uh, but we might be uh, having a closer look at Babcock's decisions in terms of who's starting here down the stretch. Yeah, and I think that's the way it should be done. You obviously wouldn't rest him against Tampa tomorrow, but let's say you have a game against the Senators like next week. I don't know if they do. I'm just going off the top of my head. They, you they, would rest him for that game. Yeah, it's they do, and they will be resting him. We're going to that okay. game. Yeah, let, I know this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's two back-to-back still in the last season, so I'm sure he'll get some rest there. Yeah, absolutely, and I guess that uh, well, I think that was after we bought tickets as well. Josh brings up, he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I think Spark's starting. <laughs> he will be starting. <laughs> but it'll still it'll make for an exciting game. It'll be 6-5 Leafs. It'll yeah. be great. Yeah. And it'll be what Sparks was used to from last year, playing against the AHL players. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice one. That's okay. a good one. Yeah, that is good. So, listen, speaking of AHLers, um, when are we going to see William Nylander playing oh. with Austin Matthews? What's your thoughts? I- I have been so vocal about this in the last week. Like, I've really been on this train. 
And I have to be honest, I haven't minded Matthews, the cabinet, and Johnson, and I haven't minded Nylander on the third line. But I've noticed that Matthews like a little bit of a slump, which I mean, all players are they're going to. So I started really looking closely on it as to why. And I, I noticed that Matthews, when he's with Kapanen, he doesn't shoot the puck as much. He passes it more. He sets up the other guys. And I just find that there's no right scenario where Ashton Matthews should not be shooting the puck. Like, that's his, I, that's my favorite thing about him. It's true. You're right. And I have him in, uh, I have him in one of my fantasy pools. And I'm just counting on rips from Matthews every night, probably mm. six at least five, you know, and he, you're right. It's recently, it's been, you know, three, two, one. I mean, there was a time when I believe he was, he was knocking on the door for the longest streak to start your career with a shot on goal. And he yeah. came, he came close to Ovechkin, if I'm not mistaken, who, who has that record. Yeah. It's not, it's not that I mind him or it's not that I like him with Kapanen. It's just I just think he works so much better with Nylander. I think they complement each other. Uh Nylander's speed to the neutral zone is my absolute favorite thing. Like I just watch him and I mesmerized. Um his zone exits and entries are beautiful. And I think those two players, Johnson on the other side of the line, I don't like to use the term gritty player, but he is. He works hard. He wins pack battles. He's the hymen of that line. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why he's yeah. probably going to stick with it, and he's obviously yeah. got the numbers to back it up. And uh, I definitely will agree with you on the captain thing. It's nothing to take against him. Um, he's he's had a fantastic year, but I, I I totally agree. When I looked closer at it as well. There's so many situations where Austin's calling for the puck and Kapanen's not making that pass at all, or he's not making it right away. It's in his skates, or it's late, or, or he's ripping, you know, he's ripping for bar down and putting it over the net and sending the puck around the boards, yeah. you know, back up the ice. So I think, you know, if you're if you're going to build Kadri's line, especially to more towards a checking role, Kapanen suits that bill well. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the proof's in the pudding as far as 29 and 34. We've seen what those guys can do together. So I got to figure it's only a matter of time, and you you got to think they're gonna get that going before the playoffs in order for them to try and get going together and get each other moving. Man, I sure hope so because it's like if you put them together the day before the playoffs, like you're putting them in a position to fail. They need that time, and I think my favorite thing about them is that, like Tavares and Marner, they know where each other is at all times. They can anticipate the play. And that's just building chemistry for obviously the last two years. It's not that Kapanen deserves to be demoted, but I think he gives that cadre line like so much speed, and they just outwork and outskill any third line in the league. Well, think about a matchup game. Obviously, when you get into the first round against the Bruins, you're going to be you're going to be up against their third line if you're if you're uh, Kapanen. So all of a sudden, sure, you're being air quote demoted, but you're actually going to be playing much much lesser uh you know style of competition you're not going to be facing the number one pairing on d all the time uh you're yeah. going to see second and third pairings you're going to see uh, third and fourth line opposition against you and I, like i mean i feel like Kapanen would be able to thrive in that moment like just picking apart d men who have trouble turning left like a maybe d on Fanuf, if you can remember those yeah. days I think we saw that in last year's playoffs when he was on the third line with Kadri, um, well, and then Marlo when he got suspended. But there was so many instances where he just had a breakaway because there was no one there to guard him, no one that could keep up with him. 
Yeah, absolutely. And he's, he's a guy who can drive play on his own, just mm-hmm. given the speed he has. Um, a lot of his offense is driven, you know, by carrying the puck in the zone, um, bringing up the neutral zone, flying up there uh, for those uh, those long stretch passes. And in that situation, uh, I think he's better suited, like you guys said, against the uh, the lesser competition and, um, you know, not having uh, – having to dish the puck all the time to Matthews, whereas he can be more of a shooter, I think, in that uh, that third-line uh, right-wing role. I agree. So with the Leafs all but guaranteed to play Boston, as you know, the conversations have been going, um, what do you think some of the major keys are to beating them? Um, I think we probably touched on this already, but obviously Freddie, 100%, honestly, he's going to have to steal it for us. Um, and, and when he's in that, I can trust him. I'm not worried he's going to get let in like a fluky goal. The second thing for me is the defense pairings. And it's kind of hard right now because we have Dorman and Gardner both injured. But when they do come back, let's say everyone's healthy for game one. Hainsey on the top pair, that cannot happen. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, like I love him and it's nothing against him. I just He's not a 23-minute-a-night player. He's really not anymore. Well, Babcock says he is. Yeah. <laughs> And you can't use the argument of, well, he did it with the Penguins. He did it for 20 games, not two seasons. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely yeah. right. So true. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and Sysev and Garner, split them up, fire them to the sun. I never want to see those two guys play together. <laughs> I really don't. I love it. Yeah, I know it's hard with the defense pairings. I think we're all a little mm-hmm. bit nervous in that. And just uh, it's been interesting to watch how the deep pairings have uh, – kind of unfolded the last few games whereas we've seen a big increase in Hainsey's minutes and he's actually responded quite well yeah. so we'll give him some credit where credit's due I know he had a big hit and a goal the other day big goal and uh, was solid against McDavid's yeah. line last night he's it's all about positioning for a guy like him right because he knows he can get burned too easily it's he's so smart as a player I just his speed is not there. He can't keep up with a David Pasternak or Brad Marchand. That's my issue with him playing on the first pairing against Boston. And I just want to shout out Nikita Zaitsev because I thought he had a good game last night. I really did. And it, it he has that bad contract effect. He's not as bad as we all think he is, but he's just not worth that money. And he's, it gives him like a negative he's got connotation he, to, the, sorry, to the fan base. He's got heavy pocket syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what's weighing him Skating down. Skating around with money bags <laughs> flying out of his pockets, weighing him down. You don't want to send it back to Russia there, so you just cash it all in for gold bullion. He just carries it around. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. And, I mean, I uh, hope to God that uh, Dermot especially, because I know we had conversations about our ideal defense pairing late recently on the show. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had mentioned the fact that I thought that they were going to start grooming Dermot for that right side spot with Riley. Because, uh, like you said, I believe they need somebody who can at least skate with the top line guys to play on alongside Riley. Right hand, left hand, I don't even care. You can play with a straight I blade. I don't either. <laughs> Maurice, yeah. get up. You're over. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Babcock is like big on like on your right side, but to me, just just put your best players out there all at once. Just take the basketball model, the Golden State Warriors, and use that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Cause, and a lot of people I know in the analytics community have been saying this for a number of years. It's like, you fill your lineup with the best possible players. Stop trying to plug people into roles so much and your traditional yeah. mold of, of how we've thought of hockey. And, you know, we're starting to see the movement towards four skilled lines and not like two scoring lines and two checking lines sort of style of hockey. I agree. 
And even when Gardner was out and Stormy was still in, he was in the second pairing, I believe. Was it with Zaitsev? I think so. Yeah, I thought he looked great. Yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately, he went down with a shoulder injury. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it's a it's tough to see, especially this late in the year, because you know if those guys even make it back in time for the playoffs, I mean, you can't possibly expect them to be 100% at a time when most guys aren't 100% anyway playing or not. Oh, well, yeah. It's been a right. long season. And what, what have you thought of Muzzin so far? I love him. I don't really follow LA Kings, um, so I just kind of knew what was said on Twitter. Um when we got him, I was obviously excited. I think any improvement, even if it wasn't Muzzin, if it was someone maybe less of a player, I think we've all been excited um, no matter what. And I think his first couple of games with Riley, I was so excited. I was like, this is what our defensive pairings could be. And then Badcock just put Hainsey back on their way. And <laughs> it just took all the air and the momentum that, that was happening at the moment. But I feel like maybe he's been hurt the last couple of games, and I really hope that's not true. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some speculation about that. I know he had a he had a pretty phenomenal game there last night, and like you yeah. said, out the gate he was uh, he came out guns ablaze. And I know you settle in, and maybe the the adrenaline's not as high after the first few. But I have seen that speculation, and it's a little concerning. Um, I think we all know he's a tough guy and everything, and I'm a huge yeah. fan, basically, and we mentioned this when we acquired him, is just the style of play that he brings to the Leafs because he brings a dimension that none of their defensemen have, and that's he can level guys, and he's hard yeah. to play against. He'll cross-check in the back in front of the net, that kind of shit. I'm of the new age where, like, I don't really care much for fighting or or the hits, but, like, when he leveled out Corey Perry, I was all for it. Oh, that was so huge. Yeah. And, and then you, the first couple of games, there were a couple of big hits, and he didn't get it. Why we were all so excited? Like no one does this on this team ever. Yeah, we haven't seen it since since Dion, basically. Or. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Colton Orr. Yeah, didn't didn't Muzzy bury after that big hit on Corey Perry? Yeah, so he well? scored on the on the power play because drew a penalty. Yeah, drew a penalty on Perry. And then Perry's a one a snap show. That one banger. Yeah, oh, it was huge. And yeah. that was a beautiful goal last so night sweet. on the sauce from William Nylander, our boy, who's just. Putting, to- toiling away on the third line. Just, just grinding it out. <laughs> I, <laughs> Dumping I chase. probably love Nylander more than the average person. How much of that I, has to do with that sweet hair? It's it's good hair, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's got the flow. Is it better now that he cut it, you think? Um, No, I liked it longer. Okay. I like the Viking. I like the Viking look. All right, right oh, okay, on. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. I think he cut it because I think he... he he was playing bad, and he just had to switch something up, I imagine. Yeah. You're looking well, for anything. <laughs> so, much. S- speaking of switching something up, here's one for you, Laura. And I've been okay. – uh, this one I've been very vocal about all season, maybe even dating into last season. Do you or do you not believe that we could use a captain for the Toronto Maple Leafs at this point in time? So I haven't thought about this since the beginning of the season with the whole, like, the Matthews, the Tavares. And that that's kind of my answer. I haven't thought about it, so I really don't think at the time it's necessary. And, it, and it's also a biased answer because if I was to choose a captain, I'd choose Austin Matthews. That's also because he's my favorite. And I just think right now he's probably not ready. I don't know if I would throw him to the Wolves. Um, but I also know there's other guys that can be captains. It's Matthews, Tavares, Riley. I've seen people talk about Kadri or Mitch. Um, just my personal opinion right now, I just 
I don't think it's going to change much. I don't think it means as much as it used to before when Matsundin was captain and Dion Phaneuf was captain. Um, and I wanted them to give it to someone who's going to be here for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's not an easy decision. And I guess mm-hmm. we're blessed in a sense that there are so many viable options. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, you would ask me, and it's like, I, I, the captain of the team probably doesn't play here yet. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, yeah. it remains to be seen. I mean, I've been kind of on the Riley train um, in amongst that uh, early part of the year when everyone was debating about Matthews Tavares when it hadn't been announced that they weren't going to choose one as of yet. Right. Um, I know Coleman's been clamoring for... Uh, you know the symbol, symbolic uh, we leadership, need one. but uh, we need one. It's not like there's a lack of leadership in that room, though. I agree. I think if you look at Edmonton, you say McDavid is the guy. There's no one else. I don't think if you look at the Leafs uh, locker room, I don't think you can say there's one guy. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's yeah. definitely a collective effort there. Yeah, and if they do announce it sometime in the near future, and they pick a captain, I really wanted to be the players choosing. I don't like it when management chooses a captain. I don't think that ever works. Clearly with Dion Phaneuf it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that as well. And I think uh, that way, you know, you have the backing of the players and that's probably the mm-hmm. most important thing at the end of the day. Probably. Now in terms of, uh, I don't know how much you follow prospects or the Marlies, Laura, but is there any particular prospect that you're interested in seeing or are you excited about coming up over the next year or so? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I have been so big on this guy since we drafted him. Um, Timothy Lilligren. I know that people have soured on him lately, and I think it has to do with the recency bias of Rasmus Sandin because he's doing so well. Mm-hmm. And I also know Lilligren, he didn't play in the World Juniors because he had a injury, so people didn't get to see him um, play. But I just think this guy, I've seen him play a couple of times to Marley's, and when, he, when I watch him, I'm like blown away. He has all the skills. Um, he's only 19 or 20, I believe. And I think his criticism is that his decision-making just isn't there. And I think he can mature as a player. Not everyone's going to be Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews and come to a league and, like, blow it up. Yeah. I think that's unfair expectations to compare him to past first-round draft picks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's... Uh... He's probably somebody that we expect to have a little bit more seasoning. I know defense often take a lot longer, and he, you know he's playing at the pro level as a teenager right now. And you're right, though. I think Sandin has, uh, or Sandine, we like to call him for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, I just kind of stolen the spotlight from Lilligrand, and uh, but I think the the these guys are on the right track from what I can see, and they're given a, a large role on the on Marlies to develop their pro game. Yeah, for sure. Another guy I think is Kelly Rosen. I mean. I think the Marlies were so stocked last year that people weren't paying attention to him as much as they are this year. Um, and it's too bad that he's injured right now because we would have called him up. Yeah, I'd say he must be better about that because he's in that situation, you're essentially waiting for an injury because that's the only way you're getting called up to the big club. So he, he's kind of missed the opportunity for a guy like that. And I know, uh, you know most fans, and I think you might agree as well, that uh, – Nobody gets super pumped up when Martin Marincin gets called up. <laughs> no, no, please, never again. <laughs> it seems to always be the go-to for some reason. I yeah, thought... I know he had a good game like two, three games ago, but no, he did not have a good game last night. Yeah, I know they're keeping their those guys' minutes down and probably will continue to do so and really lean heavily on the the Hainsies, the Rileys, the Zaitsevs, and uh, 
you know, hopefully. I mean, you have to. There's no one else you can call up, I guess. Like, I wouldn't call up a standing or a little girl. I think it's way too early. Yeah, that makes sense. And you think you're throwing them into the fire. I mean, the Leafs are a good team and everything. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's a very difficult uh, very difficult time of the year for, uh, for a young kid to come up with that kind of pressure. Yeah, no, you don't want to oiler them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect, perfect word to use in that no. situation. Jesse Pugliarvi, they've ruined that guy. Uh, oh, I know, and like I don't, I don't know what's happened with him as well. Uh, we actually have in our notes that we were going to go over the fact that he had double hip surgery yeah. uh, the other day, which for somebody who's what twenty two years old, like that's that's got to be devastating. And it's it's I know they say he's already working out and he's he's going to make a recovery, but that's a really tough one to come back from, I imagine. Yeah, there was a video of him on a on a bike during the during the weekend that they posted. I guess that's got to be a little fan reassurance for them, eh? They need some yeah. bit of positive news to come out of this. No kidding. Right on, Laura. Well, uh, that's about all we got for you today. Um, we really appreciate you coming on. You were fantastic. And uh, if you're open to it, um, we're more than happy to have you on again sometime. Of course. I'd love to. Thanks for having me on, guys. L- listen, Laura, just quickly before you go, I wanted to ask you what you thought. Is it a is the season a failure if the Leafs don't get out of the first round this year? Oh. Like, is it win is ha- or bust? I'm going to say yes, it is. I think so, too. Yeah, and even if everyone's not back and they're not healthy, like, I think this team is too talented to not make it past the first round, and I don't think you can make excuses any longer. Like, well, we didn't have this guy. We didn't have that guy. We got Tavares. We got Muslim. We probably didn't um, upgrade as much as we wanted to, but... Um, I think we got to get past the first round. It's been, what, just since 2004? It's time. It's win. time. It's time. That, uh, I wasn't even living in Canada then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I see. So maybe you brought the first round curse with you or something. we got to break that curse this so. year. we got to break it this year. For, last put. two years, I've worn Matthew's jersey for the playoffs. This year, I plan to change it up. All right. Well, you got to do put everything you can into it. I know yeah. all our fans are at home trying to find ourselves an edge and – uh, hopefully you'll be down in Maple Leaf Square, uh, downtown, celebrating a win this year. I'll be there for sure. I'm there every year. Excellent. Well, I know if they make it out of the first round, we might have to plan a road trip ourselves because that atmosphere looks absolutely incredible. Oh, hell yeah. It's, it's insane. It really is. You have to get there like three hours before to even get in. Oh, wow. So it's dedication. You're just like drinking downtown, waiting in line? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Nice. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Laura. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Right on. Well, Laura, Laura Duarte, at Duarte Laura, D-U-A-R-T-E-E-L-A-U-R-A-A. Fantastic guest. Yeah, no kidding. She's got it. She's got it, eh? Well, she's got her finger on the pulse. Yeah, I would absolutely. say like it's not just uh, you know throwing darts against the wall or anything like that with her. Like she knows the players, she knows everything what's going on. Like she's fully on board, you know, with uh, with the Leafs. I'm sure we could have thrown her a few uh, league questions as well. She probably would have been uh, knocking those out of the park as well. Yeah, it was it was great, very well spoken. And uh, once again, thanks very much, Laura, for coming on. I mean, I just threw a note to her on a on a prayer, hopefully hoping that she'd be interested. Turns out she had listened to a few episodes already, so I'm like, oh, thank you very much. And yeah, that <laughs> was the, that was the best part. Shit, I actually meant to ask her about that too because I wasn't sure if she had. Uh, 
I forgot that you did tell me that, that she had already listened to a couple episodes prior to you asking her. So that's cool. Like that kind of, you know, bodes well for us as well because she found it somehow and listened. Yeah, absolutely. It just shows that it's it's out there and that people are coming across it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've interacted with her on Twitter here and there just uh, uh, over the last, I don't know, it must have been a year or so I think we've been connected. But it's, uh, it's very good to have her on. And uh, like, we, like we said, we always like bringing on good hockey minds and she's definitely one of them. Yeah, no kidding. What'd so, you say? Her bio says, uh, providing hockey content you didn't know you needed. Aspiring member of the trusted hockey men in the NHL. <laughs> so she's trying to break, she's trying to bust in with some uh, comedic relief as well there. So oh, she's I, I hilarious. That, yeah. yeah, so check her out. If you're on Twitter, follow this girl because she is fire out there. Nice. Okay, well, moving right along, what do we want to do here? That was a nice way to intro the episode. I mean, we pretty much just fucking went right into it and had her on there, so that was wicked. Yeah, that was absolutely. Fun. Um, covered our Leaf stuff early, or what are we saying? We want to keep rolling on a little bit of Leaf stuff? I think we can get around the boards. I think we got the Leafs yeah? going good. Um, cool. I guess some of the news out today, or yesterday and today, um, Jack Eichel uh, to have a hearing for a legal check to the head. I didn't see the result of that, and I hope I'm not late on this, but... Um, I saw, I saw the hit and he just, he only made contact with the head. Like it's, it was just a poorly timed kind of inexcusable hit. One of those ones where it was a bit of a blind side cut in front of the guy and just, he only made connection with the face. So no surprise there if the a suspension is resulting. Okay. <clears throat> Eichel. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait. Eichel suspended two games. Oh, there you go. Suspended for, two games. Yeah. Eichel suspended two games for actions in Sabres game against Avalanche. There you go, breaking news, everybody. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I was actually, I was, I hadn't seen it. So while you were talking about it, I was going to try and pull it up real quick and have a look and see yeah. what I thought. And yeah, the news was out. Actually, it was forty minutes ago. Eichel suspended for two games. So I mean, they're really keeping things. Um, what do I want to say? Consistent there with the well, suspensions. They're, yeah, they're keeping guys honest. Um, as we've seen, McDavid suspended two games, and now Eichel's been suspended. So uh, they're not going soft on these uh, star players anymore. That's for sure. Uh, another one that came out of last night was uh, Jake Voracek uh, suspended as well, two games for interference. Um, if you watch this one, actually, so he ch- shoulder checks. He sees Boy uh, Boychuk coming while the puck's coming around the boards, and he does one of those, I'm going to lean into you before you have a chance to hit me. Oh, the reverse hit? Yeah, and he popped him right in the face and just like with the almost the back of his shoulder just dropped it into him. And then Boychuk was pissed. He's leaving the ice, and he's pointing right at him. He's like, I'm going to get you. You can see it. Read his lips, eh? Oh, okay. I just I was able to catch that Eichel one just now, and that, the Eichel one's bad. Two gamer, easy. Yeah, no yeah. problem there. And I would think I would think we'd expect to see the same. Uh, or sorry, we did see the same with yeah, the, uh, Vor- Voracek. Yeah, Voracek two, well. two games as well. So, you know, here's the thing about the reverse hit. Okay, I oh yeah, there's the there's Boychuk saying I'm going to get you. That's pretty scary. I mean, Boychuk's a pretty scary individual. But yeah. um, you know, here's the thing about the reverse hit. Back when Peter Forsberg did it, okay, Peter Forsberg is known for two things. One. Well, three things, I guess, if you're including bad knees. But one, the one-hander. Yeah. Posted stamp. Sick genos. Yeah, posted stamp. And two, the reverse hit. Yeah. Now, why was Peter Forsberg the only member in the NHL that could get away with the reverse hit? I've never been a fan of the reverse hit. It's fucking interference. You can't hit me. I don't have it. Yeah, I think the only reason why that... The main reason, sorry, that Voracek one was a suspension is because he didn't have the puck. You can get away with the reverse hit when you possess the puck and that you're, it's a clean, like, 
a clean lean into a guy because at that point you're just defending the check and sometimes you can catch a guy off guard but if you're leaving the puck or you're impeding their progress to the puck that's when it's a very clear interference right are you watching right I just now watched it three <laughs> times in a row yeah he got him good oh my goodness Oh, man, I'd be so pissed about that. And Bailey was pissed. He got in there right away and started fighting him. Yeah, you can't. Holy. Especially because guys never see it coming. That's why it's a phenomenal play if you have the puck. And if you notice, like, Forsberg usually had the puck. And also, it was the 90s, so you could get away with a lot more, right? Here's the other thing. It, it, It makes me want to... YouTube some of his reverse hits to, to really get a handle on it, but I'm pretty sure that his reverse hits would be when guys were draped all over him and you can't, you're not allowed to do anything else. You can't elbow them in the face. So he would, for just a quick moment, go backwards against them and, and either hit them or throw them off of himself and then create space that way. I think it's different now. Now it's like you're about to be hit, so you do the hitting and catch your opponent mm-hmm. off guard. I mean, it's almost like a sucker punch. Like yeah. you and if I, the guy in the face. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Like you and I could be uh, about to fight. You know, we're chirping at each other. Yeah. Well, you want to go? And then if I just like crack you, you know, I, I still kind of think that that's a sucker punch. I know that we were getting ready to fight each other, and I know that we were face to face and whatnot. But like, if you want to go, I'm a go you, and let's go then. Yeah, get the mitts off, square up. Let's, let's go. go yeah. You know, like I'm not gonna like try and sucker punch you in the throat and be like, oh, I knocked you out. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's yeah. the same kind of idea here. Like, there's no need to become engaged to that point where you're potentially, and in this case, injuring the guy. Yeah, I think in another example as to why Peter Forsberg uh, was able to do it so effectively and get away with this, in that time as well, one of the biggest strategies that uh, primarily North American players or teams would use against Swedish stars is let's beat the shit out of this guy. Right. Let's rough him up, you know, and, and Forsberg found a way to defend himself effectively, and it it worked, and it he showed that he wasn't, you know, your traditional European hockey player, the lens that they were often viewed in at that time. This guy fights back, he stands up for himself, and he's tough as nails. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, so some interesting, uh, some interesting turn of events there. Some big games there, too. I mean, obviously, it was 5-1 at the time when Voracek pulled that play. So probably, uh, you know, he wasn't... Uh, well, I guess they were winning 5-1. Yeah, but he's being an asshole, for sure. He's like, yeah. screw you, buddy. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna lay one into you and talk to you later. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Now, did you catch, speaking of Philly, did you catch any of the outdoor game? I wanted to bring this up last show, but forgot. Uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Uh, I, no, I, I tuned in late. Yeah. I, I remember I tuned in late. Um, I wasn't a fan of the unis. You didn't like the, the units or the helmets? Because that's what I wanted to bring up and see what you thought about the helmets. Because I, I saw the conce- concept art of them, and I was like, that actually looks kind of cool. And then seeing them on the ice, um, I know they might not necessarily go with the normal jersey color scheme because they went with the two-color scheme, right? The orange and black and the yellow and black, which I thought looked pretty sharp. And I have to admit, I was a fan of the helmets. It's almost like football-esque, except the way they did the logos was a little more artistic instead of just... The way it is now with just a sticker on it, right? Wasn't it like fucking ketchup? It looked like a ketchup logo. Well, like it was just like a splattered on the side. No, no, no. Like on like a high like the logo for Heinz. Oh. What is it? The logo for Heinz fifty seven? Like the way it was fuck, I wish I had a bottle of ketchup down here that I could show you. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Not really. (laughs) Uh I'm trying to pull up a photo of it here. Yeah, did you not? Did you get a look at look? I mean, that oh, game actually yeah. turned oh, out to I be. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, okay, I see. Yeah, what you it's mean. like it was kind of an artistic, uh, like minimalist version of the logo. I, I, yeah, that is that is cool. I do like that. 
Yeah. Okay. Right. I was. I was thinking of something else. I was thinking of something else. Was it their jerseys then? I can't even find a picture of their jerseys. Yeah, the difference with the jerseys this time was they did a two-color. There was no white in either of the jerseys. It was just black and gold and orange and black. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. No, no outlining. Yeah, and okay. it's too bad it rained actually later in that game, but it seems that the fans stuck it out, and thank God they did because Philly with a phenomenal comeback yeah. in that hockey game, and it was a really nice thing. I know... They had them mic'd up, and there's some great clips, actually, if you look up. NBC actually has a compilation video featuring a lot of the chirps that we all love to hear out on the ice and uh, some kind of heartwarming moments as well with uh, Wayne Simmons at the end of the game. What was that? Because that was, I believe, what turned out to be his last game prior to the trade oh, deadline. Oh, right. And yes. so there was a lot of the guys were hugging it out with him after the game. Yep. And, you know, that's right. I think it was Drew or someone just said, you know, I love you no matter what happens. And uh, yeah. kind of an end, in, end of an era in terms of Wayne Simmons there in uh, in Philadelphia. Well, I mean, there's a chance that he could sign, could sign back too, right? Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't surprise me, and it's you know I'm sure I'm sure he would be interested in them if they were interested in him, right? And just hopefully they didn't give JVR all, all the all the money and have something left over for him, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Geez, I'm getting a nice up close look at those Pittsburgh jerseys now that we're talking about them, and they are pretty. They're, they're sharp. It's a really bright gold sharp, too, yeah. which I think looked really nice, and especially the contrast with the ice because we know how we complain about white jerseys and how they look. So this way too with the. Using as much gold they did, they were allowed to both wear away jerseys as well, which I thought looked pretty sweet. Well, yeah, we've been talking about that before. I think color on color should happen more often. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you can't put uh, Tampa and the Rangers out there. Yeah, or Leafs and Tampa. Sure, you know, whatever you the case do it, may be. But in many cases, you should probably be able to go dark on dark. Like, why can't uh, Vancouver play Nashville? Dark on yeah, dark. There's no reason why not. The golds on the blues. Like, yeah. Tell me that that's not going to look great on TV. Oh, it looked phenomenal. And now Tampa Bay, actually, have you seen they've got like an all black and gray? Yeah, you don't like it? I think maybe that's one of the reasons why they did it, though, because it's nicer than their whites. Oh, and I see. It yeah, seems okay. a bit of a copy of the all star style jerseys in the black and white scheme. Oh, by the way, I'm afraid to move my computer, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'll show you. See what I mean? It's like the Heinz logo. Oh, you're talking about like the series yeah, logo itself. Yeah, well, I was I was confusing myself because I was like, I was blanking. And I was like, yeah, one thing I remember about it was that it had like the fucking mustard thing on it. <laughs> but, like that was just the logo for the whole thing. So I think that was on a patch on the side of the jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what, that's where I was going with that. But. Anyway, so uh, update from the GM meetings. Okay, yeah, um, run me through what has been confirmed. Is the um, so it seems clocks certain, to the board? Uh, they did not go go uh, on that. I don't know. Believe a decision was made. Uh, the, the main thing that came out was the helmet stuff that we talked about last week. Not just the leaving the ice once you lose your helmet, but the uh, the helmets and warm ups as well. And one of the reasons they cited was that time Taylor Hall took the puck in the face, as we mentioned before, right? And just the fact that you've got you know million dollar assets skating around with no buckets on, you don't know what happened. You blow a tire whatever i get it but at the same time i'm sure the players you know especially the older school guys like i love my my warm-up no bucket cruise around yeah. the ice looking at girls and having a good time yeah exactly it's like it's like a rite of passage sort of thing like you get to the nhl level and you well, get to i think do it's that. cool too as a fan though i think it's cool as a fan i'm sitting in the standings and i'm kind of like watching the guys rip around and they're winking at the kids and giving them a puck and maybe even posing for a fucking selfie or That's something. That's the other thing is they're barely doing anything and warm up anyway. They're yeah. skating around circles. Everybody's the talking puck. about like, oh, there's like 40 pucks flying around. Like, come on. The, like, when was the last time someone got hit with a puck? Taylor Hall 
stepped on a puck. That's right. Yeah. And tripped, and then another player another tried yeah. to jump over him and yeah. sliced his face with yeah. his skate. That was an incredibly rare moment here, folks. Yeah, but if we know anything about the NHL, they love to overcompensate for incidents, i.e., the Duchesne offside. But here's why. I, yeah. But here's why I am okay with it, though. At the end of the day, it is preventive action. They're yeah. taking preventive action, and I'm okay with this. It's a it's a safety precaution. And it's one that should probably exist. It probably should. But it's kind of like the whole fighting thing for me. We're getting fighting out of the game, which is fantastic for, you know, safety purposes and, you know, concussion protocol and stuff like that and players' futures, which is obviously incredibly important. But from the fan perspective, you're kind of uh, bummed out a little bit by it because it, it was a great aspect of the game, and it still remains that way. You're never going to fully, fully re- uh, remove, remove fighting. Yeah. But we move forward, and we have less you know, fighting-related issues, whether it be deaths or, you know, uh, complications with brain injuries and stuff like that in the future. Mm-hmm. We don't need these things. Yeah. So it's good to have them out of here. And in this case, uh, fucking suck it up. The, the warm-up doesn't mean jack shit anyway. No one, no one's even there. We'll, yeah. we'll be there, though. I'll be there. We're going. We're going nice oh, and early? We're going early. It's expensive to drink in there for that long, eh? Fuck, who cares? Oh, you're driving. You don't care, eh? I don't care. I wouldn't really drink anyway. So <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a huge... I mean, I probably have a couple, but whatever. But I, I, I love being in there. I think the atmosphere is fucking phenomenal from that moment. Yeah, you're a good on. guy to go to the game with because usually when I go to game with buddies, it's like fighting over who's driving. Oh yeah, no, I'd rather drive anyway. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I'd awesome. Ra- I'd rather drive. I'd I'd love to be that's, there that, with you boys having a few pints. That sets me up perfectly for my plans. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Uh, so I uh, just back to the helmet thing. Does this mean now when you're playing Chell and you get your bucket knocked off, you remember, you know remember when that happens? You're playing the game. You're like, oh, I got to score a goal now because it'll be sick. Oh, of course, Johnny, so, no bucket. So all now day. with that rule, is your player just going to automatically skate off the ice for a line change? Well. I guess I don't know. It's gonna don't, have to be I, like realistic. Right? I don't even play it anymore. So I don't I either. I so. couldn't be. I couldn't uh, tell you. But here's my thing, though. And I was hearing this earlier today on the radio. It's just such a great point. What if uh, you're out there and we're kind of uh, getting mixed up behind the net or something, and I just happen to knock your bucket off? Oops! Best player on the team, go off now. Yeah, I think and. Like it's, what? Yeah, or like a, a guy's gonna be trying to like do, yes. do a little. Oh, we're scrambling to try and rip this guy's helmet of off. Of course, so they will be the ice. Um, I think it's gonna make guys smarten up to the fact of the guys who are ro- uh, rocking loose chin straps and things like that. I think that's gonna change. People are gonna be doing up their buckets properly for fear of losing them on a you know a gritty shift in the in the offense offensive zone where you're battling, your helmet goes off, and you have to get off the ice. While meanwhile, you've got the opposition pinned in their end, and you're trying to score a goal. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you got Sidney Crosby, and you know what? Sidney Crosby is a great example. Because he, he, I don't know what now. He loses he, his bucket. He used to always wear a chin strap loose. Yeah, but who, I don't even, yeah, you're right about that, but I'm not even bringing that into the equation. Mm-hmm. He lost his bucket, obviously, because of what you just said. He lost his bucket often because of that fact, but he is a great uh, example, not necessarily because of his history of losing his helmet, but because of the way he loses his helmet. He battles against the boards, and I'm trying to fucking show you here, with his leg up against the boards, and he goes, he gets real low. Yeah, he's like hunched right over. He gets really, really low, and guys are kind of fucking giving it to him, and they're giving it to him, but he doesn't even care. He's got those things on, right? Yeah. Right? He's got the fucking... The cross-check Yeah, guards. exactly. Yeah. And he's looking right, and he's looking left, and then he steps on the puck, and he fires it out from behind him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's getting his bucket knocked off there yeah. a lot. Yeah. So now you're the D-man, you're just like, oh, there you go. I didn't. I don't even have to take a fucking penalty. Yeah. I just have to kind of go up and just floof his bucket off there. Yeah. Shove that thing right off, and then he's got to go. 
Yeah, that's going to have to be something maybe the referee is going to have to watch for more so too is like guys intentionally trying to you know rip someone's helmet off like accidentally on purpose type situation. Well, I'm glad you brought the ref into it because here's here's how I wanted to throw it to you. Maybe, and this is more of a hopeful maybe for me, I would hope that maybe they would let it be on the official to tell the guy to get off the ice. Right. Okay, so the battle is going on. His bucket is off, but the battle is still going on. If if I, I feel like in that moment, if a guy like Crosby is being forced to leave the ice, it should just be blown dead. Hmm, interesting. Or instead of blowing it dead, you let the, the play continue on. Crosby cycles it low behind the net, and now at the referee's discretion, he says, Sid, you got to get off the ice. Yeah, I, want, I hope they don't just have to ditch the play or, like, say he. Like he, your controller he battles went off and he the, over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, like, you know, say, like you said, that example of a battle in the corner, loses his helmet, but still has the puck and has an opportunity to walk out and he has the guy beat. He shouldn't just have to. I, uh, the implementation is going to be important because you shouldn't just have to ditch the puck and yeah. skate, skate off. Cause he that's should a, be able to score the be, goal with no helmet. Yeah, like to, to at least uh, dish the puck or shoot the puck or whatever. Like finish the play, I finish guess. Finish the play, yeah, because yeah. then as soon as it's over and the puck has moved on and the referee can actually say directly to the player and Crosby in this question, in this example, get off the ice, Sid. You got to get off the ice, and if Crosby argues with them, then you can call a penalty, and at that point, it becomes an eligible player penalty. Right, and I'm fine with that because as soon as you told him to leave the ice surface, it was his duty to do that. Yeah, but I don't want the official to tell the player to do that until it's time. Yeah, so he's like basically out of the play, sort of thing. Two on one, the right. guy gets tripped up. Matthews and Nylander are coming in. They're back together. It's a dream, I know, but here we go. <laughs> They're together. They're coming in on two on one. Matthews gets taken down and his helmet falls off, but he gets back up and Nylander passes it to him. Can he not shoot it into the I net? Would, I would hope so. <laughs> well, because then you're ruining, you know, perfectly good scoring chances. Well, did right? we not ruin perfectly good offside calls that were yay or nay? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, that's something they'll definitely have to take a closer look at for sure. I'm nervous and, uh, about it. So uh, some positive news as well coming out of the uh, updates from the GM meetings. Apparently the NHL and the PA are already working on the escrow issue. Um, don't even try to get me to explain it. But uh, I was going to ask you This is apparently one of the major contention points of the CBA currently. Um, all I know is it involves the players giving up more money than they would like to. Um, so I just wanted to say good on them for getting at it because my number one complaint about previous lockouts is why is it the summer before the season that they start talking about these important shit? So... At yeah. least they're getting into it now, well in advance, and that it, it's very obvious to me at this point that both the NHL and the PA do not want to lock out whatsoever. The game's growing, the game's doing well, we got expansion on the horizon, yeah. Olympics on the horizon, they want to work this shit out. And the NHL has not taken a combative, combative sp- stance um, as per uh, Bettman's speech he gave, uh, in, or his media he did in around the All-Star game. So I'm hopeful. Um, obviously, we don't want to talk about potential lockouts too much, but uh, I just thought that was worth reporting. Well, it's September of this year, right, where they have the option to opt out, and basically all that means is that we don't want the CBA to continue. So what's going to happen is we may have an opt-out, and people are going to have such a knee-jerk reaction to that, but all it means is that they want to renegotiate. Yeah, and, and I don't blame fans for, for going worst-case scenario or thinking negatively about this because it's it was pretty sloppily done the last two times it happened. And it's, I mean, it's, it's 
for guys like us, especially being podcast guys and people trying to make it in the media. Like, what are we going to talk about? That's, well, and that's when people get laid off, like at Sportsnet and TSN, like interns and yeah. people are trying to make it in the hockey world. They end up having to go work at a fucking bar or something because the hockey coverage is non-existent, right? You have the insiders are reporting on the, on the CBA and that's it. You don't have your in-game correspondence and this and that. So it's, you know, I, I, I wonder what the economic impact on the Canadian economy actually is. And I bet you it's measurable. Oh, it is. That was a part of some article that I was reading into. Yeah. Cause it I, wasn't, I, a, it wasn't just about like a, a letter to the fans about how upset we are and, you know, or a letter from the fans, I should say, about how upset we are and all that stuff. It was actually about like how this is impacting people's lives and like ushers and broadcast members and anyone, like you said, members of the media, anyone involved with advertising or ticket sales or anything like that. Like you had no income that year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just a terrible situation. Not something we want to see. And, and I- But they're all fighting over the same dollars that that exact man or woman was earning so as to go out and buy himself or herself or their child or their friend merchandise with this yeah. little symbol on it for like 40 bucks or you could have bought a regular blue hat for 20 yeah but you bought a one with a maple leaf logo on it for 40 you know and now they're locking us out yeah and, and they're it's... blacking me out on the fucking tv and i have to stream it illegally even though i pay like 250 dollars don't even get me started on fucking blackouts <laughs> of leaf games man i saw a fucking uh post like you know you get like facebook memories yeah yeah so i got a facebook memory from i don't even remember how long ago it was and it was it was like i can't wait till next year no more blackouts for nhl because that was literally the campaign that was the campaign that year, whatever it was, 2016 or something like that. Right. No more blackouts. Yeah. When fucking Rogers took over the whole spiel and it was... And yeah, it was and then they made that regional deal with TSN, which brought back blackouts, I guess. <sighs> I don't fully I mean, understand it. I know. And it's I don't been going on my whole life. Fucking dumb. And, but it's pretty ridiculous. This that, area is bad for it. Yeah, absolutely, because we're in, we're in Sens region. So as Leaf fans, like... We, we get force-fed. It's like, no, there's a Sens regional game on, so it's too bad for you. Enjoy the Ottawa Senators. Blackouts don't make sense to me because we should be blacked out from Sens games because they should be telling us, go to the game. Well, the other issue... Don't watch it on TV, go. My biggest issue is, too, it's like you're trying to sell me uh, Game Center subscriptions, and I'm like, okay, but my favorite team, I can't get, be guaranteed to watch. It's pretty much all the weekday games you can't watch, the non-national, every regional broadcast you can't watch. So why would I ever pay for that? Like you're missing out on a on a customer base, a diehard hockey fan who has to illegally stream games in order to watch them, which I don't have a problem with because let's be honest, like I've had better streams through some of these websites than I've had through Sportsnet's app and TSN's app and this game center. What it's like you- when it's glitching out and I can switch to a legal one that's better quality. Why is it that Joe Blow in his basement can do a better job streaming than fucking Rogers? It's true. I, I couldn't agree more. Were you about to drop the website handle on here and then thought better of it? Well, I... I it yeah, looked I was, like that thought ran through Everybody knows. Like, if you just Google <laughs> NHL streams and you'll find it real damn quick. Yeah, so. it's true. It's the internet. It's not that difficult to yeah. find fucking anything on the internet. And as somebody who hasn't had cable or satellite in, I don't know, nine, eight, nine, ten years at this point, like, I've been working the system for a long time and it's finally at a place where I can get everything through my Xbox, which is ideal. Yeah. It's in a HD, I'm happy. Yeah, Apple TV for me, and I agree. I mean, the only thing we're missing at this point here being in Pembroke, Ontario, is the lack of, like, what is it, like 5 TV or 4K streaming and shit like that. 
Yeah, I guess so. I like mean, Netflix streams in 4K if you have good internet and stuff. But I just mean like actual like no receiver, like it's just wired right through your right. house and shit. I don't even right. know how it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how that works. If you can, if you can get 4K through satellite or whatever, you can. But you I don't. Can. I don't pay for any of that shit. So because yeah, they have like Raptors games in 4K. Like I guess two years ago they had like one or two. Right. And then they had five or six, and now I think it might be almost all of them. Right. They're not quite all the way there yet. And, of course, in other arenas, they can't because you have to be – You have to have the equipment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that means that Leaf games were now being broadcast in 4K. But then right. a guy like you and I can't get it because the only way we can get Bell here is on the satellite dish. Right. We can't get Yeah, because you need, probably need fiber. Well, we need that whatever. big fucking cord coming through yeah, Pembroke. Whatever. <laughs> whatever the it is. The struggles of do. rural people is real. Is it like an actual giant fucking cable that like they fiber bury in the is. ground yeah. and then they send off like little branches off of yeah. the big huge one? Because they're, they're laying the uh, ground uh, infrastructure over, like I think on Cecilia Street, like over where I live. Um, apparently been working on that for a while. Um, you can also get it through uh, Ottawa River Energy Solutions, but it's uh, mainly geared towards business. Like there's a ring around the city, but they got to pay like $10,000 to get it the, the missing link like from the actual line to their buildings. But anyway, Holy that's enough about that shit. Sign me up. <laughs> I wanted to uh, take the opportunity here to shout out Matt Cullen. Um, cannot believe this guy is still playing the NHL, but he is. Uh, uh, Was he 40? 41 or something like that. Just played his 1500th game, been active since 1997. 97. And, I mean, there's guys who've been active since then, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, for examples, but those guys are superstars. This guy has, has carved out a career as a fourth line, third line depth guy and has stuck around for this long and, you know, won a couple with Pittsburgh playing phenomenally well uh, recently, a couple years ago, right? Yeah. How does that happen? Like, how does a guy that. Like you say, just kind of shows up every night, gives it 110, doesn't put up the crazy points, but obviously does whatever a coach wants. That's got to be it, right? I think a lot of it has to do with your ability to adjust. So adjust to your new teams, uh, the style of the team, and the style of the game. Because think of how much the NHL has changed since this guy first entered the league, right? You know what else, too, though? Let's take it off the ice for a moment. Guaranteed Matt Cullen is a fucking beauty guy in the room oh absolutely that's the next point i was going to bring up right guys like has this, to be you know they understand that being uh being a part of that dressing room and being a, a a leadership guy whether or not there's a letter on your sweater is is important to their ability to stick around because you think a guy like that a fourth liner if the team doesn't like you or the coach doesn't like you they don't give a shit you're you're a considered replacement level player so uh, you know you got to think that this guy is as is just a beauty in the room because, I mean, he's made his way around the NHL and with that kind of experience, everybody would love to have that, but you got to be able to play and he got to be somebody who, who you want to have in your room. So what would you label him as then? An expendable player that was actually not expendable? You can almost the king it like of the ex- He's the king of the expendables. Yeah, I mean, he just, he just keeps going, right? Like he keeps... Uh, he keeps finding his way around, and uh, I'm just just happy to see a guy like that uh, keep making it because it's a great story. It's true, and it, it it's even further uh, proved by the fact that he moved on to other teams, and those other teams didn't fail. They replaced him. That's so right. So he was he was expendable, but then he went to new teams and had an impact yeah. and stayed there. Yeah, absolutely. And he wasn't buried. He wasn't scratched. He wasn't this or that. Sure, he was traded a couple times. Sure, he was a free agent. 
Yeah. But that's what happens when you're 40-some years old in this league. Yeah, I mean, some guys got to, you know, they might think they're taking a chance on you, but obviously Pittsburgh's pretty comfortable with them because uh, I know he spent, uh, what, last year with Minnesota, and then they went out and brought him back this year. So uh, just to recap here, 1,502 games now he's played, uh, grand total of 728 points, you know, not Hall of Fame career or anything, but just a really outstanding career. He's, he's uh, carved out a good one for him and a couple cups to his name as well. Yeah, I mean – He's going to have the greatest retirement ever. Yeah, I mean, that guy's... He's just done it all. And just think of the guys uh, that you've impacted and the people you've met. And, I mean, he'd be a really great guy to to hear on, say, like Spit and Checklets or hear a a great interview with because the guy's probably got stories for days because he's definitely seen it all. Maybe he'll have enough stories. He can share some on the Pucks and D podcast. Sure, call him up. You got his number? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll work on that for you. Yeah. Uh, So where do you want to go next? uh, Let's let's do a quick uh, standings recap here, talk about the playoff races, and I think we can wrap it up about that. Sounds good, brother. So, yeah, I just pulled them up myself. And the first thing that I'm looking at here is this whole Columbus thing really has me by the balls, It's baby. a story and a half. It is a story, man. I don't even, I don't know, do I want them to get in? Do I want them to miss? I, 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 I kind of want them to miss. But then, do I really want Montreal to get in? Like, but then, then why? Why do I care about Montreal? Because I always say that about other fans. Oh, we yeah. don't even fucking shouldn't care about the Leafs. Well, I shouldn't care about Montreal. So, really, if I had my, my choice... I'd probably choose Montreal because of Carey Price. But then I'm choosing like an idiot because then what if we have to play him in some way, shape? I'm just saying. If we had to play him, I don't yeah. think that would even, it would even happen. I know actually. we talked earlier uh, in the year about a potential Leafs and Habs matchup and how awesome it would be and great for hockey. But I find now that the rivalry's picked up a bit, I'm more like, screw you guys, <laughs> in a sense. Like the... the the uh, the blue blood starts to seep into my opinions a little bit here, yeah. but uh, I think Columbus, you know, whether or not they make it is also going to be really big on Matt Duchesne going into his UFA years because is this guy? I don't want to use the word cancer that people often use, but is this going to reflect poorly on on the, him? It himself has to if they don't make it. It because, has to. I mean. The wheels fall off in Colorado, and he wants out of there, and, and you know he's not getting along with everybody. Goes to Ottawa, the wheels fall off in Ottawa, and like this just implodes, right? And then they go over to Columbus, and they go kind of cold for a little bit, and uh, you know they don't necessarily translate into wins right away. Uh, you know, I, I think I give them the edge over Montreal a little bit in terms of who I think is going to make it, but uh, I mean they they just gotta right, like it, especially like we said. Yeah, Yarmo's job has got to be hanging in the balance as well. Well, they got a much-needed victory against the uh, Penguins on Saturday, 4-1, after being shut out by the same Penguins two days earlier by Mm -hmm. a score of 3-0. So that back end of that uh, home-and-home was about as must-win as a non-must-win could could ever be. Yeah. Because if they didn't win it, fine, they're two points behind Montreal. Um, they would, in fact, still have a game in hand, so everything it wouldn't necessarily be panic mode. But I I think it would have been panic mode, let's go, because it would have been one win in their last five. And you're talking about Matt Duchesne. I don't know how this d- doesn't have anything to do with Matt Duchesne. When was the last time we as hockey fans actually saw... Matt Duchesne dominating 
on a somewhat consistent basis. Like every time he went out there, something amazing happened. Or even if he didn't score, it didn't matter because he had a fantastic game anyways. When was the last time we saw that for more than a handful of games? I think he, he you know, he had a fairly good year considering what Ottawa was in terms of his numbers. His production was there for sure. Uh, it's never been a question about his talent on the ice and what he brings on the ice. It's it's always been a behind-the-scenes thing or uh, kind of what goes on in the room. And, I mean, that, that whole Uber bullshit didn't do him any favors either. And that He was there for five minutes. Yeah. And he's and he and he's doing that in the cab. I think people blew that over. And I was listen. I was agreeing with people when they said like, listen, this happens every day. You know, people are always talking about their Absolutely. boss. Absolutely. Sometimes they're talking about their boss in the elevator, and the door opens, and they have to stop talking. I get all that, but that shit doesn't get fucking recorded in an Uber because you're famous and being posted online. Mm-hmm. You're famous. Shut your mouth in the Uber, okay? And furthermore, you're you're a veteran player who's been on this team for a coffee. Yeah. And you're telling a rookie who they hope to develop and trade somewhere someday. (laughs) You're telling this rookie that this is how things go in the NHL. And you've already been to Colorado. Now you're coming to Ottawa. And this is how the NHL is. This is how Alex Formington is now going to forming his opinion (laughs) on the NHL. Yeah. Dude, that was a good. That was a Rick Mercer like. Yeah, you really rant. got that on the fly there. <laughs> um, yeah. So right now, uh, Columbus is uh, tied actually for the last spot with Montreal, seventy nine points. Uh, they also have got a game in hand over Montreal. Uh, Philly kicking around, but looking like a tall order for them to get in. I mean, they're going to have to to finish really strongly here to give themselves a chance. Sitting at seventy four points. After that, everyone's just uh, good night, Jim Kite. I think. I believe the Columbus schedule is also very difficult. I believe they have the Bruins, and it might be several times. Uh, I know they play Nashville in Bridgestone uh, on the road. They've got a difficult schedule coming up. I'm just pulling it up here right now, Lesko. Well, and fuck the Bruins. I mean, I, I had noted here that they're, what, they're on the 18-game point streak, 19 games as of last night, managed to beat Montreal in the last minute, 30-some seconds left. They bury one. Like It's uh, the longest in franchise history. Uh, man, like I know we talked about it lots earlier, but uh, seeing a Bruins team flying at you, coming in with all that momentum in the playoffs, I mean, they are they're certainly peaking at the right time, and I I wouldn't want to be playing them down the stretch, and well, wouldn't, wouldn't let, want to play them in the first round well, either. But let me read you the remaining. What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, let me read you the next eleven games for the Columbus Blue Jackets to see how you feel about this. New York Islanders, Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes, Boston Bruins, Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, Vancouver Canucks. So the Western Swing. New York Islanders, Montreal Canadiens, Nashville Predators, Buffalo Sabres. That's a really tough, that is really a tough, tough schedule. schedule so. Where where are the gimme wins? Yeah, find me there. find me a gimme win there. Because even Edmonton, I would exactly exactly. Either. Connor yeah. McDavid comes out and gets gets five points today. And they were they were playing well. They won four straight going into the Leafs game last night. So I mean, you think Connor McDavid is going to be able to outwork Matt Duchesne? I'm sure he'll find a way. You think Connor McDavid is going to be able to outwork Artemi Panarin? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and I don't know what the hell's going on with Brodsky because they didn't even start him the other day. He was sitting in the press box. No real explanation on that. It was a rest day. But how the fuck are you resting your starting goalie when you're competing for a playoff spot? Oh, sorry. I left. I left three. I left three off in April. I missed the month of April. Boston Rangers. Boston again. So we have three games yeah. against Boston. Boston Rangers Ottawa. So, so Rangers the final and Ottawa final might be, two yeah. games. Yeah. So if they can make it to that point, perhaps they can bank a couple easy ones. But are you telling me that you're gonna let your season 
hang in the balance of games against the Rangers and the Senators to close out the I season. I mean, they might come down to that for them, and it might not be oh, how they intended boy. to go, but oh, yeah, that's tough. I mean, <laughs> So checking in over on the Western Conference right now, uh, it looks like the uh, top three of each, the Pacific and the Central, is pretty well set, I'd say, with uh, you know Winnipeg, Nashville, St. Louis in the Central. Pacific, we're looking at San Jose, Calgary, Vegas. Uh, you know, there's a, f- a whole bunch of teams. I don't think anybody wants to play in the first round, but one of these teams, you know, down below in the wildcard race is going to get stuck. Uh, currently we got Dallas sitting at 75 points. Minnesota is sitting at 74 and Arizona is sticking around with 73. And you can even conclude, uh, Colorado in that conversation at 72. I know they've been cold lately, but, uh, I think it wouldn't be that difficult for that line to, to pick it up and get hot to try and make a push. Every game is interesting from here on in. Absolutely. Every single game, whether it's for divisional seating, wild card making, or lottery shuffling. Right. It's all interesting at this point in time. And, yeah, I mean, the Coyotes being right there, I don't think a whole lot of people would have told you that they thought the Coyotes were going to be there. Um, but let's be honest, the the race for the wild card out west, let's go, has been anything but spectacular for the most part of the season. I mean, we've got point totals of 74 and 75 leading the way. Yeah. Whereas in the East, the point totals are 79 and 81. Mm -hmm. So there is obviously a little bit of a significance uh, there in terms of the winning percentage of the two respective conferences. They called it the snail race for many, I guess for over a month. Yeah, it was the snail race because no one wanted to win. Yeah, I know. Considering the point totals that we're looking at here uh, in the wild card race, they're a little bit lower than what we see on the Eastern Conference side of things. Um, myself, though, I, I I'm pulling for Dallas a little bit. Um, they've had a disappointing last few years, and I really think that they're they're better than what they've shown. So, uh, and given the amount of talent on that team, um, I like Arizona. Though, I like I think regardless of whether they make the playoffs or not, that team's turning a corner finally. It's good to see. It's true. It is. It is really good to see. They're getting some solid goaltending. Um, they've got a, a, a pretty interesting goals for and against ratio, 183-4 and 188 against. So they're pretty close uh, in that sense, which means that they're they're basically in every game that they play. Mm-hmm. They're minus five on the entire season. So if they got blown out one night, they probably blew someone else out the night after or two nights later. Yeah, and you, you look know? at recent play as well. I mean, they've won four of their last five, so I think they're in a – they put themselves in a position to definitely make this push. And I mean, currently Minnesota's sitting in that last spot, but, I mean, Minnesota, we've talked about this before, they're the most, like, boring middle-of-the-road team. Nobody expects them to get out of the first round or be surprised if they, if they right. don't. Whereas Arizona, I'm not really sure. I mean, I'd be more interested to watch them play anyway. I mean, back when we were talking about, I just going back to that snail race thing. Back when that was going on, wasn't Chicago like right there? They were. Yeah, it wasn't even that long ago. Chicago was right there. They were coming off that hot streak, and I know they've cooled a little bit since then. Oh, um, still Edmonton's playing ahead of them. Yeah, and still playing much better hockey than they were, but uh, it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards at this point. A little, little too little, too late for them. And I would say much too little, too late for Edmonton. Four wins in their last five. Yeah, I know. It seems that they're trying to put together a push, but I mean, even watching that team last night, I just, I, I don't see a playoff no team there whatsoever. I just don't like it's. I know the Leafs are a vastly superior team in every possible way, but it's, 
I mean, it's all driven by Dry Saddle and McDavid. That's so, it. So, so give me one. Uh, we we're wrapping up soon. We're yeah, wrap yeah, up? we'll wrap her up. So, so let me wrap up with this question for you then. Give me from both conferences your preferred matchup and your matchup that you do not want. Preferred matchup, I guess. And I mean the whole. The and I mean the whole like league, the team, not the Leafs. Just the teams yeah, to pick. which yeah. team do you want to play, and which team do you want to avoid? Well, I guess given what the standings are right now, you'd want to play Minnesota because they're probably the worst team that's potentially going to make the okay, playoffs. Okay, so Minnesota in the West is the team that you want to play. Yeah. Who do you not want to play in the West? I wouldn't want to play St. Louis. Okay. Because they are absolute fire right now. Okay. Um, and I, I set close second, Vegas. Vegas is oh, hot as shit mine, right yeah. now. Okay, Mark yeah. Stone's getting comfy out there. Yeah, yeah. Mark andre Fleury's on top of his game. Uh, that barn is probably just going to be hell again uh, if you're a visiting team. That was my only reason. I mean, stay off the strip and all that. No, that I mean, was my that was my only reason. The 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 fans or the the players voted. That was in that vote that you were. Oh the, yeah, the, the athletic. We'll have to do that sometime soon. Maybe next episode if we yeah. have some time. If we have time, we want to cover that because that was that was a good article. And Vegas had the best fans in the league. They were voted as best fans in the league. And you would tell a bunch of like traditionalist people that that fact, and they'd be like, no, fuck, no, you know, well, whatever, just because they're Vegas. Just give it up. The fans show up there, and they don't even, I don't care if they know what offside is. They're amazing. They're amazing for the team. When the chants get going, the chants get going. When the guy with the bangs the drum, they all bang their hands too. Yeah, and who would have thought? We need that. And who would have called it as well that, uh, you know, two years ago say that, uh, you know the players were going to vote Vegas's fans some of the best in the league. Well, I don't think anybody would have thought that. Yeah, you know, so that was my number one, and literally for that reason only. And I was even going to recluse Mark Stone from the conversation. I know, right. it's not, I know it's not possible, but I would have said Vegas if this was their position, and even if they had a maybe a couple of red dots, a couple of losses in their last five games. I know they're really on fire though. But I would want to avoid Vegas by any means necessary. Yeah, and I think I would have to agree with you um, on Minnesota. But I'll I'll switch it up and say Dallas only because of the fact that if we're talking a seven game series, that means that it's seven games potentially against the same lineup. Mm-hmm. It's so different. People tend to like, I don't know if they ignore on purpose or just inadvertently forget to rem- remind themselves of the fact that this is. This is nothing like the regular season at all. Yeah, absolutely. At all. It starts over. Everything starts over. It's hard to extrapolate uh, statistical analysis from matchups throughout the season and and place it on the playoffs because it's unlike anything else. I mean, a Monday night game in fucking January. Yeah, and this is where coaches earn their money because it's adjustments, it's in-game adjustments, it's analyzing, uh, you know, the tape and uh, adjusting to playing styles and lineup changes. So. yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point, and I think just a easy example of that was last year. I mean, the Leafs were four and zero against the Bruins, four and zero, owned them all season long. Yeah, we were like, oh, bring it on, bring it on, and you know, <laughs> and, and they brought it and on. If, if Boston wasn't killing it so hard right now, I'd just say bring it on again because I've said this before, line by line, I think they're a better they're they're a better team on paper and match better, but. You, what you can, don't have on the Leafs side of things is Boston's experience. I would say over the last seven days. I have become deathly afraid of the Bruins. And I think I was in that other boat, man, where I, I on you've heard me, I think, on the fucking podcast. I said, listen, it doesn't matter all that stuff. I still don't think that that stuff matters. The collapses, the comebacks, all that mm-hmm. stuff. I don't think that that actually matters. All I think that matters now is that 
when I look at those two teams and compare them, and I do watch both of their games respectively, we do not look anywhere fucking near ready as they do. Yeah, the biggest differences we see as well is just the way they play team defense, and that for, that that line is one of the best lines in the league, bar nine, and they have been for a number of years now. So, I mean, a huge key to that is just shutting down that fucking line, and 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 no doubt about it. So, um, in terms of answering your question, though, uh, who I wouldn't want to play, um, Washington Capitals. I'm gonna say they're getting hot once again. They're healthy. Holtby looks like he's he's ready to go, and uh, I think they're they're a bit of a dark horse right now. I know they just pulled into the first in the Metro, and wait, you just and, breezed right over Tampa. Well, I, Tampa is like they're the obvious answer, right? Okay, and like, sexy pick. Yeah, it's just I'm just thinking in terms of a, a team that that you might not think think as heavily about because Tampa and Boston right now are owning the headlines, but I wouldn't want to play Washington because you know. They know what their window is all about right now, and this is part of it. And they know in the next few years it's closing. So after that run and what they've been through, the team is not much different than last year at all. Okay. So there's no reason why they can't they can't go for back to backs. Right. Well, they understood. You know, when they did when they were world beaters, uh, like Tampa back in 08, 09, I believe it was when Washington broke a record that Tampa has now matched mm-hmm. in terms of points over a certain amount of games. I don't know exactly what it is. But they were breaking records. Yeah. And guess what happened to them? They lost in the first round. And I heard this also on the radio either, I don't know, I might have been today. I had a whirlwind of a day traveling and whatnot, shitty weather. The San Jose Sharks from, I believe it was like 06 or something like that. They broke a record. Yeah, perennial uh, President's Trophies winners. And how what, often do they actually win? Yeah, so the two teams that have done that, the Sharks and the Capitals, it was uh, first to have 100 points in so many games or whatever. Both of those teams were out in the first round that season that they yeah. broke that record. Yeah. So Tampa Bay has now broken a record. Are they going to be out in the first round? I don't know. Do I, don't I think, think that? So. I don't think so either. No, but the pressure is going to be on them for sure to perform. And I going back to Washington, I think they're a tougher first-round matchup because if you manage to beat them, I bet you Washington's also going to beat the shit out of you in that series. The Tom Wilsons, the John Carlsons, the Ovies, the, they have some big boys who like to finish their checks. So it's not going to be an easy battle whatsoever, whether you're outscoring them or not. So as it stands right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning would play the Columbus Blue Jackets. You've just given me your team that you that you don't want to face. Is Columbus the team that you do want to face? They might be because there's a uh, there's an immense amount of pressure on that team, right? And they're also still figuring it out because all of a sudden your top six is two brand new players in it, right? So and you have the the controversy that's gone on with the team as well, with the coach, with the goaltender, with Panarin. Like I don't know how co- cohesive that room is. Now we have no real insight into how that is, but I'm just looking at the dynamics from the outside looking in, and. They're still figuring it out, and this is not the time of the year that you want to be figuring it out. Tampa beat Columbus 8-2 in October, 4 nothing in January, and 5-1 in February. Not even close, eh? Not even close. I know you said, and you're right, you can't literally put a whole lot of stock in the regular season matchups, but, I mean, a shellacking, a shellacking, and then another shellacking, that's not a great recipe. Yeah. The only chance Columbus is going to have is if they figure it out quick and they're peaking, like going, hitting the ground, running into the playoffs, right? Because, I mean, like, like, are you serious that you're going to have to play Pittsburgh maybe? They might have to play Pittsburgh. Yeah. 
if would, it comes down to that it. That would I mean, be a hell of a first-round series. That's your reward, though? Yeah, I know, right? And that's a team that, again, much like Washington, is is not is not fly, is flying under the radar somewhat. And now and it's amazing to say how can a team with Sid and Geno fly under the radar. But given where they are in the standings and with teams like uh, Tampa, Boston, Toronto stealing all the headlines – uh, there's there's a team again that you don't want to play. Like it's 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 really tough out there in the East because I, I, you got to think there is what you know four maybe five cup contenders there, right? It's true. The Islanders and the Hurricanes are just fucking everything up by slamming themselves right in the middle there. Yeah, and two teams that you might not have pegged for. No, that's teams. A, that's what I'm and, saying. You know, and good on both of them. I mean, Islanders, you see the stabilization effect of Trotz and uh, and Lamorello and their impact on the team. And Carolina finally breaking through and hopefully uh, clinging on to that playoff spot because uh, I think it'd be great for them, great for those fans. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see some more ridiculous sellies in the playoffs. Well, we're going to be seeing some sellies. It's coming, man. It's getting nice outside. Time just changed, too. Time just changed. Lost an hour of sleep. Yeah, well, I'll take it for the extra daylight. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Melt that fucking snow. Yeah, I did sleep in pretty good this morning though. Did you? I don't have. You're rare to go today. You look at my face. You know how sunburned I am. Yeah, what, I, I was ice fishing all day yesterday. I was ice fishing, and like I could feel it. I'm like, oh man, I'm getting a sunburn. And I actually got a bit of one two weeks ago. Didn't learn my lesson. Didn't bring any sunscreen, and now I'm fucking red as a lobster with a midwinter burn. I did see that. You look like an Alaskan fisherman or something that just came right in off the off the frozen lake, just trying to catch dinner. And you can see the fucking sunglasses, yeah, like right around coon, my eyes. Yeah, the old coon uh, yeah. shadow bug there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, listen. Thanks again to uh, Laura Duarte. Laura was our guest in the first segment, and it went very well, and we were really glad to have her. Laura, you can find her on Twitter. That's at Duarte Laura, at D U A R T double E Laura with an extra A on the end of it. She likes to keep it complicated, apparently. That's fine. But that's fine. That's the way it is. That's the way it's got to be. I'm so glad that's you a- spelled it out. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll do it for here, episode 25. The uh, regular season is winding down to a close. When we join you in a week's time, we'll just be that much closer to the end of the regular season and the beginning of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Follow us on Twitter at PuckPod, myself at Coleman42, and at Lesko Adam on the Twitter sphere. We'll catch you again next week.